This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, he said, For the love of money, not money itself, but for the love of money is the root, is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith, many have, in their greediness, and pierced themselves through what, with many sorrows. It's the love of money. It's not money. It's the love of it. And it's the root of all evil. If you have a love for money, there is evil. Money can be a good thing. Money puts food on the table, gas in your tank, clothes on your body, and a roof over your head. But it can also be used for evil. Many well-meaning people have been corrupted by the love of money ever since its invention. In today's message, Pastor Eddie teaches you about the dangers of this world that church leaders are to avoid. And the love of money is one of several traps that many have fallen prey to over the years. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3. As he continues his message, Qualifications of Overseers. Now, there are legalistic people in the church that are so legalistic about divorce is like the ultimate sin and even judge those who would marry who were divorced before they came to Christ. Oh well they were divorced but they weren't saved then. Oh but divorce. So I have a question when we come to Christ are all our sins forgiven or just a few? It's just just a few or all let me know which ones. <laughs> Listen, if you've been born again, you're saved. The Bible tells me that you are a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. All things become new. If that be the case, then David shouldn't continue as king. He fell with Bathsheba and committed murder. Yet because of repentance, God said he's a man after my own heart. Not because of what he did. He's been judged for that. The loss of, the, of, of a child. Moses, he committed murder. Killed an Egyptian. He shouldn't be a leader of two and a half million Jews. You see, but when it comes to this, oh yeah, no, sorry. Legalistic. Legalistic. And that's wrong. God forgives. God doesn't like divorce, but God forgives. I want you to know that. If you have repented, God forgives. God's not going to say, well, you're marked forever. You're divorced. No, and you, you may have to deal with it. And your children will suffer. If anything, children's the one that suffer. But you know what? There, there's room at the cross, and the blood of Jesus washes away all sin. So that's not the case. The third view which I think is the view, he used to have one wife and not practice, obviously, polygamy. <laughs> There's some religions that do practice polygamy. But let's look at the Greek. The Greek in the text, in the actual text, it literally reads this. 
it literally reads this. A one-woman man. One woman. The pastor should be a one-woman man. And Paul hits this dead on from the very beginning before he goes to the other 15 or 14. He hits this on because this is where most people fall. You need a companion. The Bible said, if you, you know, it's better to marry than to get burned. In other words, his one woman, his wife, all his love, all his attention must be for his wife and his wife only. He loves, desires, and thinks only of her. And I'm grateful, again, for my wife. Because she's been more than that to me. It's not easy. There's times when she knows there's something wrong. What's bothering you? She knows me very well. And it's good to have that person with me. But this is what it's talking about. One woman man. Now, verse Verse uh, two, he goes on. The next, number three, he is to be temperate. He is to be temperate. Literally means holding no wine. That's what that means, holding no wine. That's in the Greek, holding no wine or mixed with wine. Mixed with wine. Proverbs chapter 20, verse one. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is a brawler. And whoever is led astray by it, not wise. And for a pastor, it's important. That they're not, uh, they're temperate, they're not out of control, and because that's what alcohol does, it could put you out of control. You need to control yourself. Now, right off the bat, the scripture does not say it's a sin to drink alcohol. It's not a sin to drink alcohol, but it's a sin to get drunk and to be controlled by it. Or have a practice of, oh, I gotta have it. I gotta have one glass. I gotta have one glass. You may not get drunk, but you got to have one glass. A pastor needs to be temperate. Number four, he must be sober-minded. He must focus. He must be discerning. He must be discreet. Notice that the two, temperate and sober-minded, are together because it must have a clear focus when you're being used by God and not have anything to influence your mind and your focus. And the flesh, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says... Walk in the spirit, the spirit so you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And why do we fall in the lust of the flesh? Because we keep feeding it. And you keep feeding the flesh, what's going to happen? It's going to become stronger, stronger. It's like that little Shabahara. Feed me more, right? Some of you know. I'm not promoting the movie, but you know. The more you feed it, the more it gets. Well, how do you fight the, the flesh? How do you fight that? Well, you starve it to death. You starve it to death. That's why it's important for fasting, Obviously, I don't fast enough, but we should. If you don't fast, you don't, don't feed the body. Yeah, it wants it, so what? You're going to survive. It's just one meal. Now, for those of you who are skinny, I hate you, but <laughs> you could eat forever. I had a friend who was skinny. He was like Jughead Jones. He would eat and eat. I said, man, where does it go? Hated him. Not just kidding. <laughs> Number five, he is to be of good behavior. Speaking of his conduct, not to be out of hand, well-ordered in his habits. Number six, hospitable. is to be a lover of strangers, you know, to love people, save the unsaved, bless them, bring them under his roof. That's what hospitable means. Bring them under the roof. Number seven, he is to be, t- he is to be able to teach. 
He must have ability to handle the scriptures. He must be able to both understand and communicate the truth of the word of God. And what helps me is the fear of God. That's what helps me to learn, write, and teach the way it was written. I don't want to answer to God. I don't care if I answer to man. I'll always answer, have to answer to man, but I don't, I don't want to answer to God why I'm not teaching the truth. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing, rightly dividing, rightly dividing the word of truth. Not just read it, oh, this is what I think it says. <laughs> no, read it in context, my friend. <laughs> Go to the Hebrew and Greek lexicon. Go do a little research. Look at other verses in the Bible. The greatest commentary of the Bible is the Bible. And you look and study it. Verse 3 Number eight, he is not given to wine. He brings it up again. It goes without saying. It's speaking about him being drunk. Takes it a step further. If a pastor gets drunk, he's not qualified for the ministry. Again, the Bible does not forbid alcohol. But as for me, I do not drink alcohol at all. Any kind even the 2% one that they have as wine coolers, whatever it is. Because I sacrifice for the sake of others. I don't want others to fall. I don't want to be known as a sipping saint. I want to be known as a pastor who's, who fears God and filled with the spirit of God, not influenced by anything that's not needed. I can do without. Paul said all things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful, but not all things are profitable. And that goes also for other substances. So because laws are passing, like if they make sense with the marijuana, what does the marijuana does to you? It gets you high, period. The same thing as alcohol. It puts you in, a, in an alternate state. It puts you in a stupor, alters your state of consciousness, clouds your mind. That is not for a spiritual leader. And I don't think it's good for a Christian either. And you could say, oh, well, God created, you know, yeah. I don't see anybody smoking a pine tree. <laughs> they got all kinds of excuses to justify the desire of the flesh. Smoking marijuana is a sin because it puts you in another spirit. Just like when you go to the liquor shop, what's it called? Wine and spirits? It puts you in another spirit. It's the truth. That's the perfect title for it. But for a pastor, any, anything that would alter his way of thinking, he must be sober-minded. He must think clearly. And it's the same when we fast, you know. When we fast, you know, most of the time when I really need the Lord to use me, you know, I don't eat. And you know, you should try it. If you're going to do a real Bible study, try not to eat because all the blood, instead of rushing to your brain, it goes to your digestive system to try to digest that cheeseburger you had or that chocolate cake. But you find when you, the blood is actually going to your brain, your focus is better and you're not in the flesh. But we should be separate from the world. We're not to be like the world. The scripture tells us, do not imitate the world. We are called to be separate. We're called to be different. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, it says, Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. 
Don't say you want to hear from the Lord and you're smoking a joint or you're blasted or you're whatever else that, that make, puts you in a condition that just to make you happy. You know, the Holy Spirit should be the one that should fill you up. Now, I understand there's some prescribed drugs prescribed. The pastor should not be influenced by any of these things. Number nine, he is not violent. Means uh, not to use physical violence against another. Not to be violent. Shouldn't have the heart of being violent anyway. But Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, if it's possible, if it's possible, as much as depends on you, as much as you can control this situation, live peaceably with all men. And it should. And you have the Holy Spirit to help you, by the way. We don't do things on our own. We don't. We do it in the Spirit, and we have the Holy Spirit to help us on top of that. And God will help you. However, however, that is not referring to self-defense. We need to use some wisdom here. If someone is attacking you and your family, you have every right to defend your family. I know I would. A story of an Irishman who someone hit on the cheek and knocked him down. The Irishman got up, turned his other cheek. The fellow struck him again in the other cheek and knocked him down to the ground again. This time, the Irishman got up to beat the stuffing out of him. An observer asked, why did you do that? He said, well, the Lord said to turn the other cheek, and I did, but he never told me what to do after that. <laughs> Again, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, if it's possible, <laughs> leave peaceable. Anyway, number 10, he is not greedy for money. And though we know a lot are greedy for money. Paul later on, we're going to study this when we get to chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, he said, For the love of money, not money itself, but for the love of money is the root, is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith, many have, in their greediness and pierced themselves through what, with many sorrows. It's the love of money. It's not money. It's the love of it. And it's the root of all evil. If you have a love for money, there is evil. There's, it's the root. There's something that's going to fester out of that love for money. And if you want to get wealthy, being a pastor is not <laughs> a way to get wealthy. Unless you become a TBN TV evangelist. You can have one or two jets at the same, three jets and three mansions. But they will answer to God. Number 11, he is to be but gentle. In his ministry, in the church, he needs to be patient, kind, and tolerant with others, everybody in the congregation. Number 12, he is not quarrelsome. He is not quarrelsome. It means without fighting and arguing about every little thing. Once upon a time, uh, when I was younger, that's how I was. I always argued my point. Now, I don't, well, it's been a long time since I argued, you know. There are people, yeah, no matter how, you know, they just want to argue. Uh, professional problem makers, you know? I had a guy who called me on the phone, and I forgot what he wanted to discuss, but he kept blabbering so quick. He said, hi, yeah, you're the pastor. I got a question. Blah, 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 blah. And he said, the Bible said this, this, this. I said, wait a minute. I said, whoa, slow it down. It's the end of the day. I said, first of all, what's your name? It's, first things first, right? <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> what's your name? And I said, and I didn't know what he was doing, but I said, you know what? 
You're calling a church. You're talking to a pastor. If you have a question, I'll answer it. But it appears to me you already know the answer. You just want to argue with me. I said, there are a lot of people who need to hear. They haven't heard about Jesus. You want to argue with a pastor. Go share. And before I even finished that sentence, he hung up on me. <laughs> but I think I told him. Number 13, he is not covetous. In other words, he doesn't, you know, whether it's money, prestige, power, looking at other pastors, what they have and how well they're doing, and looking at other churches or what they're doing, looking at their neighbors, looking at strangers. And, 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 that, and that, those first 13 in chapters 2 and 3, uh, it gives us a qualification of a pastor. Now we're going to look at verse 4 and 5. Verses 4 and 5, the qualification of pastor's home. This is how a pastor's home is to be. This is the biblical qualification. Number four, in verse 4, he says, One who rules his own house well, not other people's homes, his own house, having his kids in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? <laughs> a logical question, Right? If your home is not in order, you can't control your kids. You what makes you think you can control people who are older that you have no, not much of authority over? You do as a pastor, but not a father authority. That's why it's important that the home is in order. And it's for many, many reasons. Your house is in order. You know, your life will be in order, and that'll, it shows. It's a reflection of who you are. Home must be in order. No family is perfect, and we know that. I know a lot of pastors that have prodigals. And because they, most of the kids, you find common denominators, a survey that said most kids leave the church because they've seen what their father, pastor, has gone through. Thank the Lord that my daughters are faithful. They love the Lord. But I always learn how to keep the house in order. Because something I've learned from my father as well, not being abusive, not being a dictator, you know, or put, bring fear when you walk into the house. No, it's that when things need to be in order, it needs to be in order. The Bible, as a matter of fact, is filled with dysfunctional families. The first family, Adam and Eve, that was murder. So no family is perfect. No church is perfect. But he must learn how to rule his house in order to govern the church of God. Later on, Paul will write in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, but if anyone does not provide for his own, you know, provide it for your home, and especially for those in the household, he has denied the faith and is worth an unbeliever. I know women that had husbands that, oh, he left me, whatever. Well, now he's ministering, but he's not, you know, I'm living, <laughs> he's not paying child support. I said, show him that verse. Show him that verse. He should be ministering to the church. He needs to learn himself the Bible. He needs to be obedient. You can't govern, you can't take care of your home. You're worse than an unbeliever, according to the scripture. Verse 6 gives us the qualification of pastor's spiritual life, and this is number 15. Verse 6, not a novice, meaning not a new believer. Less being puffed up with pride, he falls into the same condemnation as the devil. New converts, new believers, should not have the role of the pastor or leader. I see many have been put in too early. Don't have enough of the word of God in them to qualify them. 
They need to grow in their faith by the word of God. And the more they grow in their faith with the word of God, then they could bless others. But if the word of God is not in them, what do they have left? Is the authority given to them. And instead of exercising their faith, teaching and loving with the word of God, they're going to use the only, the only thing they can use is the authority. And they're going to be more abusive. And they're going to be more puffed up. And I've seen many young men has been in the ministry too long. Hands are laid on them because, oh, they were a nice guy. They were popular or whatever. No, give the time. If that's something we won't do, the Bible says do not be quick to lay hands. People just, oh, I'm going to give it to you. All right, you want to be a leader? Sure, here, I'll lay my hand on Boom, there you go. I know a pastor that was laying hands on everybody. <laughs> and he, a joke was made that he's even laying hands on the broomsticks. And he just laid everybody was a, as a leader. It's dangerous. It could destroy someone like that. And then this pride comes in, and then it goes back to, Paul is pointing to what happened with Lucifer. You could read that in Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 and 15. The word I, 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 I. <laughs> It's puffed up. Lastly and finally, number 16, verse 7, the pastor qualification is his testimony outside the church. Verse 7 says, Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he falls into reproach and the snare of the devil. Pastor must have a good reputation in the community. That doesn't mean that he's going to partake in every community event compromise his belief, set aside biblical principles, agree with every social issue. That's not what it's saying. Because the reality is, they're not going to agree with the God that we serve. They're not going to agree with my biblical principles and what the Bible has to say. So we have nothing in common. The Bible says, how can two walk together unless they have something in common? How can What does light have in common with darkness? Paul is saying here, he's uh, a man known for integrity, trustworthy, honest, and upright. That is what he's talking about here. And these are the qualifications of a pastor. And it's good that whether you be a pastor or not, that you kind of use this as a guide for your own life. But you also now know what's expected of a pastor. Now you, it, this will answer many of your questions. You know, how am I, are you living your life, Pastor Eddie? Well, according to scripture, this is expected of me. This is expected of any pastor. Why you don't have women pastors? <laughs> the Bible doesn't say it. Nowhere in the scripture. It's not us being chauvinistic. It's because this order has nothing to do with value. That men are better than women or smarter than women. No, <laughs> no a lot of women are smarter than men. But it has to do with order. It has to do with order. And this is what we look for when, when we get now to the next passage when it deals with deacons. How we look for deacons, why we pray for deacons, and the qualification of a deacon. Thank you so much for joining us today here on Running the Race. Pastor Eddie's been taking us through the book of 1 Timothy in this series, which is found in the Pauline Epistles. Within its pages, you learn everything there is to know about becoming a pastor and leading a church during the final years of Paul's life. He knew he wouldn't be around forever, so he penned instructions that would serve future generations of pastors. God used Paul to begin his church and to serve as a role model to those who follow him. If you're looking for help applying this to your life, here's Jessica with an invitation just for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. 
For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. What a great invitation for those in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area. For the rest of us, remember that you can find more messages from Pastor Eddie on that same website, runningtheraceradio.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're excited to learn more from the book of 1 Timothy. For today, our time has come to an end. But we'll be back again next time, and hope you will too, to hear Pastor Eddie share more from this great book of 1 Timothy, here on Running the Race.